Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional and the journey of learning that stretches across the full stack of technologies in the modern data center and in the cloud. As always, my purpose here on the podcast is to talk with uh, one or more guests about a particular technology or set of technologies. And along the way, we aim to share practical usable and actionable real-world information on the various technologies and products that you as an IT professional uh, might come across or might need to explore um, in order to continue your journey of uh, learning and evolution. Uh, I'm so happy that you decided to join us today, and uh, hopefully that our discussion today will be useful, and um, I'm really excited about it. This is a technology that I've been following along for a little while now, and so it's great to be able to dig into it. On this episode, I'm talking with Anjana Fernando, who is going to discuss with me and with you, all the listeners, uh, the Ballerina Project. So, Anjana, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, very, very happy to have you on the show. Um, so, Anjana, um, why don't you just uh, take a minute, sort of, you know, give the listeners a background on who you are, what your background is, you know, what brought you to where you are now, and then from there we'll transition into uh, the main focus of our show, which of course is going to be uh, Ballerina itself. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm currently working at WSO2 as a director in uh, Ballerina Ecosystem Engineering. So my history is, so I have worked mainly in uh, the integration products at WSO2, mainly in data integration and in the analytics domain. And I have led uh, several products in that area, uh, starting from uh, WSO2 Data Service Server, Data Analytics Server, and so on, which has been now absorbed into some uh, other products. Uh, so after that, so my interest area was uh, um, so the background language, uh, its design and implementation. And I have got involved with the product, like in different aspects, like um, its compiler, VM implementation, transactions, data integration aspects, and so on. Afterwards, I moved into um, uh, the Baron ecosystem engineering work. So it's more of a uh, Baron evangelism role. So I'm working um, towards uh, furthering the, uh, the 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 knowledge to other people. Well, it sounds like uh, if you're if you're working on helping get knowledge into other people's hands, then this podcast is the ideal venue for you. Yep, yep, definitely. Yes. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, we're, we're we're again, we really appreciate you taking your time to join us on the show, and I. Uh, I hope that the listeners will really get something out of this. So I mentioned in the introduction that Ballerina is something I've been kind of watching and following. Um, I had some email um, conversations with a few folks uh, um, there at WSO2, and um, they you know, were like, oh, hey, we, we saw you mentioned Ballerina, we, and they sent over a bunch of resources and stuff, and I'll, I'll include links to the resources they mentioned to me in the show notes for listeners as well. It's some sample code and examples and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, for folks who who may not understand what we're talking about here. Um, can you just take a minute and kind of give us uh, a real quick sort of high level review of what ballerina is and maybe as well, what it isn't right. Um, okay. Because, you know, every, every technology, every tool has sort of an ideal fit for certain things and it's not quite so suited for other things. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, I well, we'll get into use cases in, in a minute, but maybe towards the end of this, just a real quick view of like, High level, these are some use cases you might use it for. So, um, what is Ballerina? Yes. So, uh, Ballerina, we call it a cloud native programming language. So, uh, it's, it's meant to be used with the microservices architecture. So, uh, that involves uh, containerization, uh, creating microservices, and uh, in, uh, working with that uh, methodology. 
So it's it's more onto uh, creating uh, scalable architectures, uh, creating uh, smaller building blocks, scale them independently, uh, and 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 the other related uh, features around it. So Balina is tailor made for that. The language itself is optimized to those use cases. It is a basically a general purpose program language, but um, from what I see, it's a it's a modern approach to creating a general purpose program language. So the main thing, uh, the, the most special thing about it is, it knows and understands the network. So uh, typical uh, old-fashioned program languages, like uh, when you uh, talk about the network, it's a, it's a it's an afterthought that comes into uh, the development. Uh, those comes as uh, separate uh, libraries that you use. But in Ballerina, uh, we have made that a first-class citizen of the language itself. And so uh, with that, we have made these uh, distributed computing abstractions put into the language itself. So that's the uh, main idea of the language. Uh, and that's what, it, uh, that's what makes it special. I can further get into the other details of the language also. For example, so with the, the, the awareness of the network and so on, it makes it a, a more natural experience for the developers to work in that uh, environment. So when you design and implement a program, uh, you can immediately see, okay, what you have done in a high level with the features that are there in the language, from the syntax to the uh, structures that are available there. Uh, it makes it very easy to uh, uh, design and implement uh, scenarios uh, for the uh, current uh, current needs. So yeah, that's that's a basic, uh, like, a, like a quick introduction to the language. And uh, I can go into more details in uh, different areas also. Gotcha. Okay. So there were a few key points that I picked up on that, that I want to reiterate for listeners. Um, so first of all, you know, Ballerina, you're, you're describing it as a, as a cloud native general purpose programming language or, you know, a cloud native programming language. So really mm-hmm. optimized for this use case of being used in containerized environments where you are taking a microservices um, architecture approach to building out a set of coordinating services that will form an application or a group of applications. And, uh, and then from there, uh, you know, I guess kind of stemming out of that decision to say, this is what we're going to, you know, what we're going to target. Some of the things that you felt like needed to be included in the language were, you know, sort of a, an innate awareness of the network. So not thinking of the network as an afterthought, but thinking of the network as, you know, Hey, this has got to be part and parcel of the programming language. Cause let's face it with microservices, you know, the network is, it's, it's right there, right? You can't get away from it. And then taking yep. some distributed systems concepts and approaches and embedding them directly in the language so that it makes it easier for folks to develop software in that sort of networked distributed systems environment. Does that all sound accurate? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Okay, cool. So a, a follow-on question that before we dig into, um, well, actually a couple of follow-on questions before we dig into a little bit more. Um, so in your mind, what distinguishes Ballerina most from other languages that you might find in a microservices environment? And I guess the one that comes to mind the most off the top of my head is Golang, right? Hmm. Uh, but, um, without getting into necessarily like super detail, and if you can't answer it without getting into super detail, then let me know, right? <laughs> but no. you know, what, what sort of distinguishes Ballerina from some other languages? Yep. And that, I think that will lead us into uh, the discussion of, you know, like, why yeah. um, you, 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 know, you and your organization decided to design and introduce Ballerina now for this particular use case? Yeah, good question. So um, in other traditional programming languages, so they mostly have like a single uh, entry point in your uh, programs. 
like like for the mostly a main function or the main method. Uh, so in Ballerina, so we have actually uh, two types of endpoint. So uh, you can write your uh, typical main function based applications also, and then we have another endpoint called a service. So that's the, the main difference we have in Ballerina. So uh, with services, that's like a uh, like like a like a high level concept built into the language. Uh, so uh, services can be many types. So it can be an HTTP HTTPS service, gRPC, web sub, and any different types of protocols and transports that are supported. So it it gives a more um, first class uh, support for uh, these aspects that you go and don't get with other languages, and also. Um, other things like, um, so we have like a unique uh, type system also that is optimized for network communication. So we have a, what we call a, a structural type system rather than a nominal type system. Uh, for example, that is, uh, that is critical for uh, network communication. For example, in Java and so on, so it, uh, for, for uh, type, uh, type uh, equivalency and so on, uh, it depends on the name of the types. And so on. So um, when you uh, send some data to the other side of the network, it should match the specific type uh, that's that's re retrieving it. So in Ballerina, we um, we have a structural type system. So it it uh, it does structural equivalency. So that means any data you get where the structure is correct, if it's assignable to the target, that means uh, you can work with that. So uh, that that is a unique feature also. Uh, we have in Ballerina. Also, other things like when we work in like highly distributed environments, another problem we get is uh, when you are integrating with multiple endpoints and so on, transactions become a, a critical factor. That means uh, things you do either should succeed or fail altogether. So, uh, so because of that, um, since it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a primary uh, requirement that is there. Uh, we have, again, made that part of the language also. So uh, we have uh, inbuilt support for transaction and distributed transactions in the language itself. So if you um, work with uh, databases, message brokers, or even just other remote uh, services and APIs, the distributed transaction fa facility is built into the language itself. So it's very easy to design and implement uh, such scenarios. So these factors make it um, uh, like very unique that we have in Ballerina, uh, like compared to other languages like Go, uh, like Java, uh, like Node.js and so on. So um, it, it gives a more comfortable uh, uh, development experience for the, for, the, uh, for the users. Gotcha, okay. So I'm, I'm not a programmer, not, not yet anyway. I'm trying to go down that path and, and finding it uh, more challenging than I had anticipated. But that's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, um, things that I'm picking up on are, um, you know, sort of this, this support for distributed transactions, right, sort of built into the language. Yeah. Um, this, this structural model sounds interesting. And let me see if I, if I understand this correctly. So um, one of the things that always trips me up, and I'm, I'm going to really show off my, my uh mm lack of programming knowledge here, right? But one of the things that always tripped me up as I was messing around with the various little programming languages to write small little utilities or, or, or whatever, right? Nothing, nothing major, but always having to convert sort of like to and from, uh, you know, like I might have a variable that the contents of the variable were structured JSON, right? Mm -hmm. But, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in the right format. Like, you know, so I had to, 
I had to put a method on it, like to JSON in order to work with it in that way, right? Or I had to take a string and I had to encode it or decode it or whatever the case may be. Am I, am I hearing you correctly? Your sort of structural equivalence is sort of doing that in the background or am I just making something up? Yeah, yeah, somewhat uh, close. So, um, uh, for example, so we have uh, things called records and objects uh, in the language. So in, in Java, it can be like classes and so on. So these are also like data structures where you like group some um, uh, amount of data together. Uh, so uh, you, you can have like, I'll give an example, like a student record, person record, and so on. Student is actually a person. So in, in, in Java and so on, there's inheritance where a student is inherited from the person structure, we say. So it has all the same uh, uh, behavior and features that's there in the person. So that's, that's, you explicitly, explicitly say that you extend uh, from um, person and so on. The, the difference is in ballerina, so you don't have to explicit, explicitly say this. Uh, just if uh, by looking at the data, the structure, if they are similar, if they are compatible, we say uh, variables uh, defined from one type and the other type, the structure is uh, similar, they are assignable. You can assign a variable from this type to the other type. It just have to be compatible uh, in the in the structured manner. So so uh, that's that's the main thing, uh, the main idea that's there. Okay, I see. All right. So yeah, uh, thinking sort of like because um, I've been I've been messing around with GoLang recently. So I guess in GoLang this would be equivalent to a type where you're yeah. defining, um, you know, so okay, here's here's this data structure that may have three or four different pieces of data of different, you know, one's a one's a string, one's a you know something else, whatever, right? And mm-hmm. in this, this structural equivalence is saying, hey, if I get two variables whose, whose data structure is compatible, then I don't have to worry about the, the type that they're assigned. They can be, you know, one assigned exactly. to the other, or the other assigned to the one, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. that is good. Yes. Yeah. So that sounds actually really, really powerful. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and again, yeah. I'm not a programmer, but I'm just looking at this thinking, you know, having, not having to worry about something like that seems like it would be a real boon to a programmer so that, um, you know, if she were, you know, especially when it comes to like data integration, when you're taking sort of, you know, two services that are written in different languages and trying to glue them together with a third service, something like that, and being able to yeah. look at how these two things come together and seeing that they're structurally equivalent and that sort of adds uh, a lot of flexibility in, in, in trying to do something like that. Yeah. Exactly. So in, in, in your programming environment, your development experience, it becomes much more flexible and uh, you can do uh, many, many, uh, many operations with that functionality. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So thanks for that. Um, well, one last question, and then I want to get into maybe another discussion around sort of what led you guys to do Ballerina. Like what was it? Hmm. And, and maybe it's just a recap of sort of the things that you know Ballerina does really well, but I, I'd like to just make sure that the readers understand yeah. sort of why you went through the trouble of creating an entirely new um, language and why you gave it the features that you gave it. But um, structurally speaking, does Ballerina bear any sort of resemblance to other languages from in terms of syntax or the way someone works with it? I mean, if, if somebody was thinking like, hey, this looks like something I would want to do, but I've got experience in X, does, yeah. you know, what sort of background would make it easiest for them to transition into Ballerina? 
Yeah, actually, uh, so it it uh, resembles very much uh, like uh, closely closely to uh, C Java uh, type of syntax. Uh, so if you are coming from a background like that, it would be uh, very easy to pick up on uh, Barina. Uh, and 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 so Barina has been like uh, inspired by many programming languages we have like uh, like molded uh, like uh, several features in the language also based on several like good features we get from other languages also like as i said c java even go rust so we have got like features and concepts based on the on them as well if you are c c++ java uh, this kind of uh, earlier developer you'll, you'll have a, uh, you'll be very familiar with the syntax and the uh, general uh, like the flow of programming that's there in barina and uh, yeah, your uh, earlier question on uh, why we came to uh, like build a new language. Why, why did we build Barina? The, the history of it. Um, so um, so WSO2 has been developing integration products for 14 years now, and so we have a lot of experience in uh, developing, deploying these kind of products and uh, creating projects uh, with customers and so on. So um, uh, what we have seen is with these uh, integration products, ESBs and so on, enterprise service buses, that is a, a centralized approach in um, implementing uh, integration. So integration is basically like connecting multiple software systems together uh, to communicate with each other. So it's, it's uh, basically a, uh, of uh, delivering data from one place to another uh, like matching their formats, transports, and so on. A popular way to do this is using ESBs. And uh, what we have noticed is, uh, so this is a, a center of excellence approach. Everything is centralized, so developers has to always go through this. They need to have access to this. Uh, so uh, this development, uh, this makes their development approach uh, not that agile. And also, these kind of uh, approaches becomes very complicated uh, when you are uh, creating uh, like bigger scenarios or more complicated uh, scenarios. Our WSO founder, Dr. Sanjay Viravarna, so he uh, like envisioned uh, like a new approach to do this integration. So uh, we started Barina as like the new language for our ESB actually earlier, uh, like how to do it in a better way. And uh, so there were several uh, like iterations and what we ended up was actually, okay, we actually need to have like a, a specialized programming language, like an imperative programming language to do this. So uh, like most of the integration products are like uh, declarative language, uh, uh, DSLs, domain specific languages that are there. Um, so what we uh, did was, um, uh, we ended up with this programming language, and what it does is, so in the in the traditional integration products, uh, so we call it like they are integration simple, but as I said earlier, they are not that agile. Uh, but the other programming languages uh, in the other extreme, they are very agile, but uh, not integration simple. That means uh, it doesn't have like built-in high-level concepts uh, to do this integration project easily, like. Uh, as I said, like maybe services, transformation, transactions, in security, and so on. 
so they don't have those uh, uh, functionality so you have to do everything from scratch and it's uh, very hard to maintain so this difference we call it the integration gap and 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 is the solution to uh, address this uh, problem of the integration gap uh, so uh, with this barina has the the best of both worlds uh, if i say so that means uh, you have the agility you get from a general purpose programming language, but also you have the high level concept, as I mentioned earlier, like the services, like the endpoints, um, transactions, and so on, uh, like um, uh, things that are uh, built into the language. This is how it came to be, the history and the current status. We ended up with a programming language and uh, also aligning it with the cloud native technologies and a cloud native approach to things. So um, this also complements the cloud-native architecture methodology, uh, also um, bringing uh, DevOps uh, features into your development cycle, and so on. Like, for example, from uh, the developer himself, he can also plan uh, his development and the deployment phases and so on uh, from that point onwards. Like in Barina, we support generating uh, containers, um, like deploying to uh, container orchestration systems like Kubernetes and so on. So we give that power to the developer uh, uh, developers themselves. So uh, that's the basic the idea of Ballerina and how it came to be. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So um, I know you mentioned early on that uh, you know Ballerina is considered a general purpose programming language, but it sounds like based on your description, that it was really created to specifically target this, the, well, what you called it, the integration gap, right? Of yeah. simplifying the integration of multiple components or or data sources, whatever term you want to use there, right? Yeah. Um, without being um, too inflexible and without compromising sort of the the um, ideals of, of, uh, an agile methodology and, um, you know, DevOps and, um, similar approaches that are trying to help, um, companies sort of increase velocity of development and do so safely. Um, and so yeah. it, it sounds like integration is sort of the sweet spot, if you will, for, for ballerina. Would you, would you say that's, that's fair? Yes, exactly. So, um, even though we, 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 uh, we, Say it's a, it, it is a general purpose language, but it's uh, it has a specific focus on integration as well. So it specializes on uh, integration, but you can actually use Barina for anything you want, also. But uh, yes, uh, your your statement is also correct. It is uh, more uh, like tailored for the integration scenarios. Okay, all right, that makes sense. And and I, I personally I don't view that as a as a as a you know a detriment. I mean, uh, I yeah. think that. Um, I, I personally subscribe to sort of like the, you know, the Unix philosophy, right? I want a tool to do one thing and do it really well and uh, not necessarily try to be all things to all people. So it seems exactly. to me that having something like Ballerina who, uh, or, or which is targeting this, this integration use case, right? Of bringing together multiple services, you know, bringing together applications that may sort of be considered, you know, quote unquote, legacy applications, and you want to bring them into the, the cloud native world, you want to integrate them with microservices that you're developing now. Um, it seems like having a tool to do that just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is that is that is our 
aim also with the ballerina. So I was, um, I, I remember kind of, you know, like I said, flipping through some of the ballerina materials and stuff a little while back. And um, I, I launched a, you know, a little pet project of my own to write a couple of microservices, um, including one in, in ballerina, right? Um, it hasn't gone anywhere, but it's, it's a fun little tool for me to, you know, like work on developing my programming skills, right? But I think one of the things that you guys built into the language, if I'm not mistaken, is is sort of a, a built-in awareness of, of Docker and containers. Is that, is that right? Yeah, exactly. The concern on the end-to-end, uh, the, the development, uh, uh, the steps. And so the deployment is also important. And um, in Barina, so we have uh, like a, a compile extension mechanism where you can basically plug in any uh, compiler post-processing actions if needed. Uh, so uh, using that uh, feature, so we have also implemented this uh, native uh, Docker and Kubernetes support on top of uh, Barina. So uh, that means when you write uh, your application services, um, by um, having special uh, annotations in your code, um, we can directly, uh, when you are building the program, we can directly create the uh, the Docker containers and the, the, the Kubernetes artifacts automatically. So you don't have to write your own uh, YAML files or anything like that, but rather just mentioning them in the code itself, just uh, doing like uh, some small annotations. You can uh, signal to the compiler, okay, I need to deploy this in a, uh, in a, in a containerized environment in Kubernetes or any other target you have, like we have other targets also in cloud environments, for example. You need to uh, deploy a function in Amazon Lambda. Uh, we, we also have that. You can just write a function, uh, mark it as a Lambda function. And uh, when you are building it, it will automatically build the artifacts. You just have to upload it and uh, uh, get it to work. So um, you, you have very small turnaround time in that, uh, in getting things deployed to the place you need to. So again, as a as a relative newcomer to programming, that sounds really really helpful. Uh, I mean, like to to, yep. to give the developer the ability to say, "Oh, hey, I know my you know my operations team wants us to deploy onto Kubernetes, so I'm just going to put in some Kubernetes annotations, and when I compile, it's going to then reach out and create the appropriate objects and deploy them." Um, and as a, as a Kubernetes geek, since that's what I focus on during the during my day job these yep. days, um, okay. that's that's something that I think I'll, I. I'm going to take a mental note here to go back and explore some more when I get a chance. Yeah, exactly. So especially uh, like uh, this makes the developer like uh, the developer doesn't need to be like an expert in Kubernetes. So uh, nowadays, if you uh, want to write something in Kubernetes, you have to understand all the YAML formats, the concepts and everything. So in this way, uh, you are just annotating your service as a service in Kubernetes and so on. And um, when you are like building the program, it will just be, uh, uh, like generate the artifacts, and you just deploy it. You don't have to get all the way into the, uh, the the ins and outs of Kubernetes to get something running. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah. let's let's um, let's transition just a bit um, now that uh, I, at least I feel like I have a pretty good idea of you know what you guys are trying to accomplish with Ballerina and sort of where its speed, sweet spot is. Um, let's transition just a bit and talk about um, listeners who might be interested, you know, they're listening to the podcast and saying, hey, this sounds really interesting. It sounds like the, the features are something I could really use in a project. 
mm-hmm. I'd like us to try and provide some sort of, you know, actionable advice for them. So let's take this in two parts. Part one, uh, listener is an experienced programmer. Like, they, you know, they've been developing in Go or C or C++ or Java, whatever language it is, right? And they're saying, yep. you know, I see a use case for this. Um, what would be the best path for them to get started? Um, yeah, so um, if you are uh, starting to follow Ballerina and to get something done uh, quickly, so uh, in our website, Ballerina.io, so we have these two sections called uh, Ballerina by Examples and Ballerina by Guides. So uh, Ballerina by Examples are basically uh, small sections, uh, like one page, uh, 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 small uh, sections uh, to uh, go through the specific features of the language, like, um, for example, uh, how do services work, how do transactions work, and so on. It'll, it'll go through the code uh, very quickly and say, okay, what it does, and so on. Uh, so this is uh, mainly for uh, already, like, experienced programs, experience as in anyone who has prior programming knowledge. So they should have the uh, like basic understanding of how a computer program work, how ba- like basics of program work, like control flow, um, uh, functions, and so on. If they know the basics uh, of some program language, they should be able to uh, grasp these, uh, these um, concepts uh, very quickly. Uh, so uh, that would be a good uh, starting place uh, for newcomers. Um, if you go to Barana.io and Barana by example, and the Barana by guide is like um, uh, like uh, long form articles uh, which um, introduces specific scenarios. So like some advanced scenarios, like uh, uh, specific integration scenarios, like okay, how do I um, integrate uh, something like Salesforce? Um, uh, with uh, uh, like uh, some other systems and so on. Uh, uh, it's like so some real world e- examples and scenarios will be documented there, like starting from uh, how do you design that uh, solution, uh, what are the uh, constructs you use in the language and so on. So those are like end-to-end guides on how to uh, implement uh, specific uh, patterns and scenarios. So... Uh, uh, those are useful um, after you get in uh, touch with the language, if you know the basics, uh, to uh, do some more advanced scenarios, you should uh, check out the Barana by Guides. Yeah, uh, so that's if you if you are an experienced programmer. Uh, actually, uh, then uh, in, the, in, the, in the website itself, so we don't have uh, at the moment uh, something for uh, like complete newbie uh, for programming. Um, so actually, uh, we are working on a uh, like beginning programming with Barana book that is uh, in the works now. So probably after that is out, uh, someone can use that uh, as a starter. But um, yeah, so we recommend uh, uh, someone who is at least uh, uh, at least who have some basic programming knowledge to uh, get into Barana. Uh, uh, because the content that is there now may not be uh, that suitable for a complete newbie, uh, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you read my mind. I was going to ask about the newbie question. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's no problem. Um, yeah, I, so I think that that's, that's fair. I mean, um, you know, there's a certain 
one of the things we've talked about on the show many times and um, with, with a variety of guests is sort of this, this need for, or, or this trend for IT professionals in, in all sorts of disciplines to embrace the idea of automation. And many times when they're embracing the idea of automation, they're embracing some type of language. Sometimes it's, it's a DSL, right? Um, you know, maybe it's a declarative DSL like Terraform. Um, you know, maybe it's a scripting language. Uh, and I say scripting language in that it's, you know, it's a little more tailored towards, um, you know, that, that sort of use case. Right. Um, and, and so there's always this shift in, in these disciplines of, of coming from where you were to now beginning to think programmatically or procedurally perhaps. And uh, so I think it's fair to say, you know, Hey, folks coming into the ballerina ecosystem or the ballerina community, you know, we do expect for you to have this sort of basic concepts understanding, you know, of, of the, flow of control and loops and, and, and that sort of thing. Right. Um, yes. and, and I think, I think that's, that's, I think that's fair and reasonable, um, but it is good to hear that you guys are, are trying to address sort of the newcomer as well, um, with, with additional resources. I, I was actually just pulling up the yeah. ballerina website while you were talking. So ballerina IO slash learn is where mm-hmm. the uh, ballerina by example and ballerina by guide sections you were talking about can be found. And so listeners, I'll be sure to include that URL in uh, the show notes. So in case you want to go out there and take a look at either of these two resources um, that uh, Anjana mentioned, you'll be able to go out and look at that. And yeah. uh, so, so that's good. That, that, that'll give idea, you know, users an idea of, Hey, I want to look at this, you know, this is how I might be able to get started. This is, you know, some resources I can use both to learn the sort of the fundamentals of the language and then apply those fundamentals in specific, in sort of specific use cases using the ballerina by guide um, section. Where do you find, like, um, I, I'm a Linux user, right? So mm. Ballerina kind of just you know, makes sense to me. I install, you know, Ballerina on, on my Linux box and I go off from there. Do you find a, a particular platform? Like, I don't know if you guys are sort of tracking that, but do you find most of your users are on one platform or another? Or is it pretty evenly split or, you know, any trends to share there with, with the listeners? So uh, we have uh, like uh, deployments or installers for uh, install for all the major platforms. So like uh, from Linux, so we have uh, Debian, Betty Debian uh, uh, packages, RPM, and for Mac OS X and for Windows as well. So um, yeah, um, so generally we see mostly the developers uh, tend to use our uh, the, the Linux and the Mac OS X uh, distributions. So that's the general uh, uh, experience we have had. So yeah, uh, you can you can use these uh, sources when you want to uh, like install the packages and um, and you can keep the the Ballerina distributions updated also through these uh, sources as well. So we do um, like at the moment we do monthly uh, releases for the language. Uh, every month we do like uh, incremental updates uh, to the libraries and uh, other bug fixes and so on we have. So, um, yeah, so that's the approach we have at the moment. Okay. All right. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me terribly that uh, that you're seeing mostly Mac OS and Linux um, from the developer's perspective. That, that seems to be pretty common. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, you know, we, we, uh, we're, we're coming close to the end of our, of our time together um, before we wrap up and, and I'll give you a moment to, um, sort of, you know, close out with 
you know, in case folks want to follow you online or whatever. But before we get there, uh, yeah. I just want to see sort of, you know, final thoughts. Um, you know, are, are there, are there any other sort of resources or maybe tips or tricks? Um, mm-hmm. I know sometimes it's hard to think about that because for someone like you, you know, you've been deeply embedded with ballerina. You were one of the, sounds like it, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, one of the folks who helped sort of architect the language, right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it just, you're, you're like, oh yeah, you know, it's a piece of cake. It's super easy. Right. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, for those who are outside, sometimes the, you know, the, the littlest uh, tip or trick might be helpful. So, uh, and, and it's okay if you don't have anything, but I was just wondering, is there any sort of final thoughts that maybe you wanted to share with the listeners before we go ahead and, uh, and, and wrap up our discussion? First of all, um, so Baronai is a full uh, open source project. So we have the full, uh, like all the design and architecture decisions are open. Uh, so if anyone is interested in uh, joining these discussions, you can join our Baronai Dev, the group. And uh, we, we encourage anyone to come and contribute, uh, may it be code, writing test, documentation, uh, anything like that. So it's a nice way to get in touch with uh, things that are going on with the project, how the open source development work and so on. And also, um, so if you're interested in like uh, some um, views from the development team itself, so we have a, a blog uh, uh, that is run by the Barana development team called the Barana Tech Blog. So it's in uh, Medium and the Barana-Tech Blog. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, blogs that are there uh, that uh, that may have uh, details on our design decisions, architecture, how we create a, created a specific uh, feature, how it works, and so on. So if you want these internal details on how things work, it's a, it's a uh, good place to get get those resources. Uh, so we have a Twitter handle uh, called Bernard Lang. So we provide the latest updates there as well. You can follow those, and as I said, uh, we always encourage anyone to come and contribute in our list, our Slack channel, and so on. Okay, great, great. Thanks, uh, thanks, Anjana. And listeners, I'll I'll be sure to include um, URLs in the show notes for uh, you know as many of these things as as we can wherever your URL is appropriate um, for these things, so that you can determine what level of of participation you'd you'd uh, find most appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish and. Uh, appreciate all that information, um, Anjana. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're at the end of our time. I like to try and, and respect my um, listeners time. We try to keep our recordings around, you know, 45 minutes or so, and we're coming up on that time now. So um, as we get ready to wrap up, uh, Anjana, in case somebody wants to, you know, uh, follow you online, I don't know, do you, do you use Twitter or anything like that? Yes, I have. I'm, I'm in Twitter I'm under L.A. Fernando, L-A-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-O. So uh, under the same handle, I also have a Medium blog, uh, so you can follow me uh, there as well. Okay, awesome. Well, listeners, you got it right there. If you want to follow uh, Anjana, um, you can do so on Twitter or uh, or subscribe to his uh, his Medium blog. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Anjana, for um, joining me on the on the show today. I think it was a great discussion. Um, lots of great information about. Um, uh, ballerina and how listeners might get started using it and sort of what the the uh, sweet spot um, is for the language and, and sort of the use cases. So I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on board. Um, listeners, thanks for, for joining us and, uh, and listening to another episode of the Full Stack Journey podcast. As always, if you have any questions about the podcast uh, or any comments, suggestions, 
uh, you know, things I can do better or, or guests that you'd like to see, you can uh, hit me up um, on Twitter. You can hit the uh, podcast directly as at FSJ podcast, or you can contact me, uh, Scott Lowe, your host is at Scott underscore Lowe on Twitter. And uh, podcast episodes are published on the Pocket Pushers website and uh, are distributed you know, via all the major platforms. So iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. So feel free to go grab the podcast and subscribe using your platform of choice. If you do get the opportunity to go and give us a rating on whatever distribution platform you're using, uh, some feedback that would certainly be appreciated to help other users discover the podcast as well. Thanks again for listening and uh, have a great day. Thanks. Thanks.